Hey, welcome to Brady's Corner. I'm Brady Bryan. And every 15 minutes, I'm going to give you a new industry leader. We're going to talk about the ups and downs, the highs, the lows, and their experiences in industry. Today, I'm very excited to present to you Bobby Rios, uh, CFO of Bartlett Co Contractors. And um, welcome, Bobby. Thanks for coming aboard today. Thanks, Brady. Glad to be here. Um, can you uh, give give just kind of a, a brief um, overview and introduction of, of you and uh, your professional uh, professional career here? Okay, sure. I'm going to probably take you back a little further than you, you probably want me to, but I, I'll start there. Uh, born and raised, small town outside of uh, San Antonio called Hondo, Texas. Uh, went to uh, attended University of Texas and uh, got an accounting degree. Uh, shortly thereafter, went into public accounting, got my CPA uh, uh, certification, and kind of moved around uh, the country, traveled quite a bit. I won't go into all those travels, because it would probably take a little bit more than 15 minutes to, to get all that in. But uh, eventually ended up uh, back here in San Antonio, and by luck, uh, happened to uh, uh, kind of come upon this position. I was working for in the pharmaceutical uh, market. As, as a controller actually there, and uh, the, the opportunity came up, or actually the, the company got acquired, and the opportunity came up for me to uh, uh, interview for this position here and, and was fortunate enough to get it. And I, I guess I'll say one other thing. My dad was a, was a bricklayer. He was in the construction industry and had his own company, uh, did more uh, residential, uh, very, very little commercial, but I think the irony of all that is that I ended up in the construction industry because I was not in the construction industry before I came here to Bartlett Cock. That's great. And so how long have you been there at Bartlett? I, uh, October 1st, which was this last Friday, I was here officially 14 years. Wow. Wow. And now let's, can, can you tell us a little bit about Bartlett? Uh, you guys are almost at a thousand employees. Is that right? No, no. We actually, uh, Bartlett Cock got started in 1959. So a year after I was born. Give my age here a little bit. Uh, so I always can remember how long they've been in business because it's one less year than what I'm old. Uh, they, uh, we have about uh, just under 500 employees. Okay. Now we have been over that number, not at the 1,000. Uh, would love to get there eventually. Uh, would love to get the billion in, in revenues where our highest have been about 750, 760, 760 million. Uh, you know, we're on track to maybe do that next year and, and hopefully within two, three years could potentially get to the $1 billion mark, which would be fantastic for us. That's amazing. And uh, would you tell us a little bit about some of the work that you do? Uh, what, what are your typical industries you work in? So we have been known to do a lot of public work. And so that, uh, you know, I, and I say that only because probably two, three years ago, 90% of our work was public. Uh, K through 12, uh, higher ed, uh, predominantly in that area, probably 75 to 80% of our, our work was in that, in that market. We have since moved uh, probably in the last two years more into the private market. You know, the private, market, private world now makes up probably about 25% of our work, and we're going to continue to grow that. We don't want to abandon our public. We want to continue to do public but we want to grow both markets and, and probably, uh, you know, are shifting a little bit more uh, towards the private uh, just because there's a lot of opportunities out there. So data centers, uh, uh, kind of more on the industrial side, warehousing, cold storage, you know, probably some of the click uh, 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 industries that are kind of, you hear more about recently as a result of the pandemic, you know, we're trying to move into 
into those markets and away from what we've traditionally been doing. And we've been, so far we've been very successful. And so we'll continue to hopefully, like I said, grow both markets. I appreciate that. Are you doing anything in the multifamily side as well? Yeah, we are. Actually, we are. And I should have mentioned that. That's correct. We, uh, we are doing uh, multifamily. We had been doing some condo work and we're finishing up some of that work, but we're really doing more uh, multifamily, more on the res uh, rental side. And that's really, uh, we started in, in our Austin market and we've kind of started doing some more, some work here in San Antonio, actually our first uh, big job here in San Antonio. Uh, so I'll mention we have, uh, we're in four regions or four markets. Uh, we're in, we started here in San Antonio. We uh, have an uh, office in Austin. We have an office in Houston and an office in Baytown. And our Baytown is kind of, uh, has been our industrial market and, and more in the petroleum uh, industry doing uh, not, not uh, refineries or anything like that, but more on the buildings within, uh, they call it inside the fence, which kind of a highly secured area, but that's kind of our, uh, the, the majority of our industrial work has been there. That's great. Now, you know, going from predominantly public work to going into private sector, how has that shift been? Has it been a change in, in the way you, you go about, um, you know, bidding on projects and running projects and, and, and the people you align there? Or what's, what's been the biggest change? Yeah, I, well, you, you, you hit on a couple. Uh, people, it's different. You know, people that work on public work, like K through 12 uh, education uh, buildings versus private work. It's just, especially multifamily, it's just a different set of subs, different set of project managers, superintendents. So that's been a shift that we've had to go out and hire those folks because we didn't have the expertise in place and at least for someone who can help our or teach and mentor our existing uh, superintendents, project managers, et cetera. So that's been a big shift. And then the other, the other big, big shift for us is when you have public work, it's, it's, you know where the funds are. I mean, it's, it's bond, it's uh, usually bond money. Uh, you get paid on time. You don't, you don't really have any, any issues there. And not that we've encountered any issues with our private work, but you know, we we're certainly sensitive to that. I mean, that on, on private work, you may be awarded a job, but it may take a while before all the funding is in place. So you really can't start till the funding is in place. So that's been another thing that we've had to adjust to in public work. It's very predictable. You know when it's going to start, especially schools, you know when you're going to finish. When the buses roll up, the schools have got to be completed. So you've got a pretty tight schedule and you know when things are going to start and stop. With private, you know, it can be put off for weeks, it can be put off for months. During the pandemic, you know, some jobs were put on hold indefinitely. We had a job that probably should have started two years ago that probably we keep hearing that it's going to, you know, come back and resurface. But yeah, that's the, that's been the challenge with, with uh, private work is that it's, there is no definitive start and end date. Uh, and I say end date, well, end date usually there is, but it's when the start date is going to occur. So a couple of things I'd like to ask there um, and, and dig into. So you obviously have more than a hundred employees. Um, curious as to how the Department of Labor mandate is going to affect um, you and your team, um, you know, as far as the, the compliance with the uh, COVID-19 vaccination certification and all of that. So, you know, as far as I know, keep in mind, I'm a CFO. A, uh, I know there are some things and some talks. We obviously are on top of things and trying to make sure that we do when we find out exactly what it is that we need to comply to, that we'll be in compliance. Uh, there's still a lot of, I think, a lot of questions to be answered. So 
Uh, we're just you know, trying to stay on top of things. Uh, we definitely wanna be in compliance uh, when the time comes. We currently are doing surveys uh, of our employees. Uh, we think we're about maybe 75% vaccinated versus not vac non-vaccinated. Uh, so that's a little surprising. That's actually a little higher than what we thought we would be. So that's, it's encouraging, but uh, we still have some work to do. We just started the, the survey here last week. So uh, we're hoping to wrap it up here in a, in a week or two and then start taking some action to see what we need to do to encourage people to get vaccinated. We certainly wanna, we, we believe, you know, it's obviously beneficial to, to have people vaccinated than not. Uh, I will share this with you. Uh, we had two uh, employees that actually chose not to get vaccinated, both in their 50s, both with wives, family, and both uh, got COVID and passed away from it. So that was extremely tragic and kind of eye-opening. Uh, you know, me personally, uh, I, I really think that had they gotten vaccinated, they'd still be here. Uh, but that was a decision that they made. And, and uh, you know, it's just kind of sad to see that. And you know, you would hope that when it hits that close to home, that people would jump on the vaccination bandwagon, but that's not the case. You know, that's not necessarily the case. So we'll, we'll see. Again, don't have all the answers, but we hope to. And then once we do, we'll, we'll we certainly want to push and we will push towards compliance. Well, um, I'm, I'm terribly sorry to, to hear the news about your two employees. And, um, but, you know, am, am uh, very interested to hear how things are, you know, develop and, and would love to have you back on, you know, I guess in, you know, next month or two to, to kind of see how things develop there. Sure, absolutely. Um, see, I, I, I know there's been quite a few emails and talks going around about people trying to figure out, you know, how to comply and what other people are doing. Right. So it's a big deal, it affects a lot of companies. Yep. And, um, but, and especially when you're doing public work, they tend to be able to enforce that a lot quicker, right? Right, so, right. And, and we're okay with enforcement. You know, I mean, I, I think, again, let us know what if we, I know OSHA is, is involved pretty heavily, and I think they're going to mandate some, some uh, policies. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to get reinforced and all that. Again, there's a lot of questions, but, uh, you know, we feel like, it, you know, from our standpoint, uh, you know, we got a lot of people that are out there on the job sites, exposed to a lot of other subs, you know, a lot, subs do a lot of our work. Uh, so we can control our employees, but we, you know, OSHA will help, I guess, control across the board, you know, just other, other subs and all that, that we can't necessarily control from a vaccination standpoint. So we'll see. I agree. I think there's a lot of changes to come. I think they're going to come here uh, shortly and we'll see where that all, you know, kind of takes us. So let's talk about the horizon. Um, you and I were talking okay. a little bit about, you know, 2022, 2023. Okay. Um, what are some of the indicators you're seeing um, as to why you think they're going to be banner banner years, and um, what what are some some key takeaways that that we can we can go from there? Well, uh, our key indicator right now is our backlog, and our backlog is probably not probably it's the highest it's ever been. Uh, we've got you know right now for 2023 probably over 700 million in backlog. And that's backlog jobs that either currently on the WIP or that have been awarded to us. And what's interesting is, and that, has, that contains no unknown revenue. That would assume we do nothing more, acquire no more work, which is not gonna happen. And for seven, uh, I mean, 2023, uh, our numbers are probably right now in the kind of 600 uh, million. And 
again, that's stuff that we know in hand. Uh, of course, it's got to start and, and all that. You know, we've, we've got to get it up and running. And then we have about 250 million in revenue or, or jobs. And it's some of it is uh, these not involved with the two numbers that I just gave you that we have not even assigned to a year because I'll give you an example. There's a school district that we've been awarded the jobs. All they're waiting for is the bond to pass. The bond passes. We can then start on the work and get the work done. I mean, there's 250 million. Not all of it is that that type of a situation, but we have about 250 million that's sitting out there. So our backlog is just crazy. I know you probably know you work in different states. Texas has been a has been somewhat immune to kind of recessionary periods. You know, the the last recession, this recession. I say this recession. I don't really consider this a, a recession. I really consider more of a pandemic. Uh, you know, it's, it's still, there's a lot of people moving to Texas. It's a friendly state to, to work, uh, relatively inexpensive to live in. And so there's a ton of people moving in, which is, and they're doing, you know, with the public work that we do, it just adds to that, to that uh, industry. So. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Now, what, so that's roughly based on what you're telling me and your, your current numbers, that's about two years backlog, right? Oh, yeah. So, what um what what what's the biggest roadblocks? What's the biggest hurdles keeping you from getting there and ramping up? And you know, is it is it labor or it's labor? Talent? Yeah, it's labor. I mean, you know, I, I, again, the pandemic. I guess it it I forget what the term that they use for people that just decided. You know what? I'm retiring. I almost did it. I didn't do it because of the pandemic. You know, I was kind of on track to to retire here uh, early next year. And I stayed on again, not because of the pandemic or anything like that, or but just uh, to me, it was I, I, labor is just it. There's a real issue, and it's not art for us. You know, we can go hire people. We don't. We, you know, again, under under 500 employees, and we've been successful. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, employees that are being, I mean, con called constantly by other companies, and you know, for a, few, a little bit more money, you can come work for us, and you know, promising this, promising that. So we're losing some people to that. Of course, we're doing the same thing with, with uh, uh, going out and, and reaching out for other people as well with, that work for other companies. And, and just, you know, our subs, I mean, you know, just, just the, the labor shortages that they experience, you know, again, 90% of our work gets done by subcontractors. If they don't have the employees to do it, they just don't have, they, they're not able to do the work. So that's the biggest challenge. Of course, materials, as you well know, probably, there's been a shortage. There's some some challenges there. That's you know big variable. We know lumber's back to what it was before, and and there seems to be plenty of lumber now. So, but there's other places where that's not the case. So so again, that could hinder again jobs starting when we'd like for them to start because if you don't have the materials that you need or that you can substitute for, you're you're stuck. You know you can't you can't do the work. So. On the talent side, what are the top two things that you're doing to combat that, to overcome that, um, to, to gain and attract the talent that you need? And also on the subcontractor side, what are you doing to kind of bridge that gap and, and give them a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, road, roadway there? Yeah. Well, on the employee side, I'll start there. You know, just a lot of things looking at looking at our packages, making sure salaries are competitive uh, when we when we start people out. So certainly looking at that. And, and then we're doing a lot just more with onboarding and training and 
kind of continual touching with, with employees just to make sure that, you know, we want to make sure that we know that they're happy. If they're not unhappy, we'd rather find out sooner rather than later. And hopefully they're not happy, unhappy because of anything we're doing, but they're hearing things or, or, or we need to communicate more. You know, we're just trying to improve that. You know, we're trying to make sure that we're, we're staying in touch with our employees. Uh, on the sub side, uh, I, I will pride ourselves in saying this, that uh, subs usually, and I say usually, I mean, I really should say, as far as I'm concerned, every time that I've talked to a sub, they're very complimentary of us. Uh, you, they love working with us. And these are their words, not mine. They, uh, they appreciate the fact that we pay them. You know, I know in, the, in this industry, it's you, you pay when, when get paid. And we try to do as fast of a turnaround as we can. And you will hear subs unsolicited from us that they will tell us that, you know, we are very prompt in paying and they appreciate that. So you got to take care of the, the, the guys that are doing the work for you. And so that we've always done that. And we want to certainly feel like we're going to, we want to continue uh, to do that in order to maintain those relationships. That's, that's phenomenal. Thank you for sharing that. Bobby, thank you so much uh, for your time today and, and uh, sharing your knowledge and, and wisdom. Um, and thank you, everybody, for coming to Brady's Corner. Please like and subscribe, and I'll talk to you at the next Brady's Corner.